Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are present with us. Hope of the ages. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. And Holy Spirit, thank you for making him present amongst us today. As we lift our eyes to this season, your intentions and purposes, Lord, fill our hearts with commitment. Fill our hearts with a desire to see your hope for the nations. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just check the time. I've been, oh, there it is. Okay. They told me I'd have 20 minutes. So this is going to be tight and I might have to cut a couple things, but that's all right. We've already had a number of messages preached, haven't we? Whether it be the songs or the baby dedication or even the announcements. There's something in there for all of us. And one of the reasons I really like the church calendar that has been around for centuries within the church is that the church can get focused on one specific area or a few areas that they think are really important. And one of the things that the church calendar does for us throughout the ages is it reminds us of the breadth of the gospel. And if you're not aware of it, we are entering into the new year from a Christian perspective. Advent, the beginning, a new gospel year. And one of the things about Advent, although we have these nice candles and it talks about hope and joy and peace and love and so on, The reality is, is that Advent is a season of reminding us of the breadth of the gospel. And this morning, we want to take a look or start a series on hope for the ages. I got to say, I was impressed that they found a song that exactly matched our theme. Hope for the ages. Hope for the people in Thailand. For FFI. Right? That's what this is about. When I was growing up, my family was not very wealthy. We were actually pretty poor. I tell the story when I was a kid, about four or five years old. My bed was a mat under the stairwell that went to the attic. And my habit was to go to bed and pick the wallpaper off the wall that was peeling off. It was just an old farmhouse out by Tofield. And so my expectations of what I would get at Christmas time were pretty low. But I had dreams and visions. My dad loved horses. And so I sometimes thought about a horse. How many of you had wished for a horse? Longed for a horse. There's a few of us in the crowd. <clears throat> but most of us only wished, right? There was no hope for a horse. 
We have friends of ours, their oldest, or their son, not their oldest, one of their sons. He manages a ranch in southern Alberta. He has three daughters. What do you think her, their daughter's hope for a horse is in that culture? I can tell you already that there are enough horses in their family for all of them to have one. And they're still under 10. You see, hope is not something that is birthed in us as a wish is. Hope is something that is birthed in the circumstances around us. Did you catch that? Hope is something that's birthed in the circumstances around us. And so Romans chapter 15 makes this comment. This is verse 13. I pray that God, our source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust in him, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This idea of hoping for or wishing for you see, when somebody has a circumstance, I mean, our friend's children on the ranch, they hope for a horse because it's just part of their culture. Now, if the hope, horse doesn't show up on the right week or the right Christmas, does that mean that their hope dies? No, it just means it's delayed because they know their dad loves horses. They know their mom loves horses. They know that having a horse is part of work. And so they have all these reasons to hope for a horse, even when it doesn't show up. This is what the Christian hope is about. Christian hope is about the fact that we know the source of our hope. We understand that God has desires and longings for us. And as we connect with him, as we get to know him, he births in us desires. And those desires lead us to start praying in very specific ways. And those ways lead to the growth of hope in us. God is the source of hope. But beyond that, I want to go back to the Old Testament. Because you see in the Old Testament, in the Jewish faith, it was a also a faith of hope, or faith that was rooted in hope. It was something that the Jewish people had come to expect. How did that happen? How did they get to that place of hope in their God? Well, we're going to start with Abraham. We could start a little bit earlier than that, but I wanted to start with this passage in Genesis chapter 12. This is the passage where God meets with Abraham. And he goes, Abraham... <clears throat> I want you to get up. I want you to leave the nation you're in, the city you're a part of, the family that you have there. And I want you to go to a land that I'm going to give you. And when you get there, there's going to be conflicts. There's going to be some nations that don't like you. And so I'm going to deal with them. But there are going to be people who bless you, and I'm going to bless them. And then he goes on to say, and I will, through your family, bless all the nations of the world. This was the beginning for Abraham. I don't know how this moment came about. How long God had been working in Abraham's life to move him on the basis of these, these words by God. 
let's face it, we all have to grow into our relationship with him, don't we? We start off understanding the gospel and coming to believe it and say, okay, I want to claim that for myself. But to come to a place where God tells you to go to Bongo Bongo to be a missionary, that's a bit of a journey, isn't it? Abraham had a journey to get to this place. Because it says that's what he did. He left his family. He left the city, or the Chaldees. He left Babylon. And he moved off to Palestine. The story goes on. If you go through from Genesis chapter 12 and read through to the end of Genesis, you'll have a number of places where there's encounters with God. Jacob had one. He was running away from his brother Esau. And in the process, he stopped for a nap, laid his head down on a rock. It says, I'm really concerned about that habit. But he laid down on that rock, and God came and spoke to him. There was this ladder going up and down, angels going up and down to heaven. God spoke to him and said, this land that you're on, <clears throat> I'm going to give it to you. And basically, he, God spoke the same promise that he'd given Abraham. He gave it to his grandson. Through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Jacob was not a nice guy. A little bit conniving. And yet God was working in him and through him. And you see a transformation if you read the story of Jacob. He had that promise, but it didn't change the way he behaved. Nothing really changed until he was confronted with the man he was running away from, from Esau. When he was going to encounter Esau, he took steps to protect his family. He thought Esau was going to kill him. And he met with God, or God met him. There was a struggle, and God, it, Jacob, in that struggle, God touched him. He ended up with a hip like me that sort of, you know, you limp a little bit. And in that moment, you start to see the change in Esau. Then you go a little farther on into the story. And, you know, in uh, Genesis 15, if you read there, that's the time where Abraham was questioning God about the promises that God had made to him. And so God took and made a covenant in chapter 15 with Abraham. And part of the promise or part of the revelation of that covenant was, I'm going to follow through on everything. I just want to let you know this little bad news about your family. They're going to be 400 years as slaves in Egypt. Well, it wasn't that detailed, but there was a promise that that would happen. And so in Jacob's time, the, end, the family ended up in Egypt. That was Joseph's story. And just before Jacob died, he took and he went through all of his sons and he blessed them. Genesis chapter 49. And in that time, he said to Judah, Judah, you of all my sons out of your family will rise up one who will hold the scepter. And it was the first indicator of the specific family that Jesus was going to be born into. You see, you have a promise back in Genesis 12. And then there's these interventions of God that's slowly leading the people of Israel to understand that God was present. And that he was wanting things to work out in a very specific way amongst them. And every time that that happened, they became people filled with hope hope is not something that you just grab onto it's something you grow into 
And it grow, you grow into it because God comes and makes himself present to you. And you respond to that presence and obedience. And in doing that, you start to experience the faithfulness of God. When we were talking about this series at the beginning, one of the staff suggested that this first message should be about Israel and the expectant hope that they had for a Messiah. And I got to tell you, when somebody dictates to me what I'm supposed to preach on, it's a little difficult. I worried over this sermon a long time. And then I got to the place where I said, you know what? What do the Jewish people say about hope? So I went to this uh, website, I think My Jewish Learnings, it's called. And there was this Jewish rabbi, Jonathan Sachs. And there's a quote from him there. And Jonathan Sachs was talking about the moment where Moses met God at the burning bush. And he said, you know, in this uh, Christian translations, they say, it says, when Moses said, God, who should I tell the people of Israel who you are? What's your name? Jonathan Sachs says, the translation, and the one we all know is, I am who I am, or I am who yeah, I am who I am. And then Sachs goes on to say, but it really has a future intention. It is actually, I will be who I will be. And that the name of God is really about the future. It's about something that's going to happen. <clears throat> and this morning we sang songs and we acknowledged that he is present. Right? That's sort of what the culmination of our singing together led us to this sense that God is present. But you want to know something? He isn't just present in the sense that he's statically here. He is present amongst us today because of what is coming. Do you catch that? God isn't about what is in this moment so much as what he wants to, to grow out of this moment. And so when we talk about God being present here, it isn't like, hi, how are you? And it has no impact in our lives. It's rather, God, you are present. I want to engage with you. I want to allow you to shape me and mold me. Because you see, God is a God of the future. He is moving us in a particular direction. <clears throat> and this is what hope is about. Hope is about what is going to be. It's an expectation that is birthed in us out of the fact that God is always moving somewhere. And are we moving with him? Or are we standing still and just greeting him in the moment, but not allowing that moment to shape us and mold us into the direction he is calling us to go? Our faith, our Christian faith, is characterized by hope. And that hope is because of Jesus. Let me just check the time, make sure I'm going to get this all in. This is the part where I want you to pay close attention. You see, hope is sourced in God. And it's sourced in God through promises. And so you have this verse in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, no, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, sorry. And starting at verse 20. For in him, in Jesus, every one of God's promises 
is yes. For this reason, it is through him that we say amen to the glory of God. Do you know what that really says? Every promise that God has ever made is yes in Jesus. And this is why we say amen. We agree with that promise, that statement. And we're agreeing to the glory of God. We're agreeing because in agreement, we are saying we're going to step into those promises. We're going to take hold of them and we're going to see them actuated in our lives. And this is where hope resides. Hope resides in our willingness to step into obedience. <clears throat> it's our obedience that shapes us. It's our obedience that starts to make the presence of God real in such a way that we change. We become more like him. You can read the Bible cover to cover. There's a lot of academics out there who have no relationship with God through Jesus. And they have read the Bible as an academic piece to study it, to try to make sense of it. And you know what? Many of them have not changed their behavior at all. However, any of them that open up their eyes and say, is this possibly God speaking? And they start to engage with the promises that they read in the Bible. They start to experience the presence of God in their lives. Simple things. I've told this story before here probably, but it's worth telling again because it sort of becomes foundational. I became a follower of Christ. My first step was when I was six. And it was just sort of a commitment to the Lord, and he took it very seriously. And in taking it seriously, that meant that he started to mess with my life. He started to make his presence real to me. And I can remember when I was 14 years old, I had a sports injury. I broke my leg playing baseball. And uh, when the docs took a look at it, it wasn't just a broken bone. It was an ankle cap ripped off. It took surgery to put it back together again. So this ankle is wired together. Because I was on the farm, we call it haywire. <clears throat> but it is still functional, so I'm fine. But I can remember when the doctor told us how serious it was. All of a sudden, I was confronted with the potential that I might not walk normal again. My wife says I still don't walk normal, but that's all right. But the reality is that that is something that hit me as a 14-year-old. And at that moment, I turned and I prayed. And I just said, God, if you heal me, if you make it work, I'll serve you. Fast forward three months. It took a long time for that thing to heal. They cut the cast off. My British doctor said, move your foot this way, that way. He called in his colleague. He says, look at this. I'd move my leg this way and that way. And then his colleague said, bloody well, perfect. At which moment, God made his presence real. And it shaped me. What about you? 
Do you know God in such a way that it changes the way you say your, see your future? Is there a hope birthed in you because now he is close to you? You understand that he wants to be a part of your life? That he has plans for you? And that he's not going to let those plans go? That he's going to work them out in you? You see, hope is rooted in him as a source because he is, loves you. He wants to be a part of you in your life. And it is all because of Jesus. That reality that he has come to give us a future is what this is about. A lot of us have memories. Some of this was talked about in the baby dedication this morning. Hard memories. And in some cases, those memories are anchors that hold us from moving forward. Not just the ones that were mentioned this morning, but there's all kinds of things. Growing up in an abusive home, having a struggle with addiction, being abused in some way, being unjustly fired from a job. All of these things can be anchors. Something, somebody betrayed you, you became angry. And out of that anger, you start to become bitter. And you really can't let go of the memory of that betrayal. You see, when we talk about salvation in Jesus, this isn't just a salvation about the future. It's a salvation from our past. It's a salvation from the things that anchor us and keep us from moving forward. And when you come to know God and you understand his love for you and his desire for a future, he is present today, but his presence today is about what he wants to do in you tomorrow. And so all those things that are sort of anchors that are heavy loads that keep you from moving forward slowly or not at all, those are things that God wants to release us from. And it only happens when we start to experience his presence and love for us. At 14, I made a commitment to serve God. I want you to know that I didn't do it perfectly from age 14 on. I had to be 15, I had to be 16, I had to be 18. And then at age 20, 21, after be having some time in a Bible school, I realized that a large part of my faith was rooted in my parents and the people around me. And I had to step back and say, is this really mine completely? And I can remember stepping out of church, out of relationships with Christians for a bit. It wasn't a long time. It was only a couple months. But during that time, I confronted what I really believed. And in that confrontation, I started to review all the things that, all the ways I sensed God had worked in my life. And all of a sudden, that became my anchor. 
The fact that I had prayed and God answered. The fact that I yearned for something specific for my brother. And in praying for him, I saw God actually do it in his life. And all of a sudden, I started to go, oh, this is my faith. You see, that's how it grows in us. It grows in us to such an extent that when we come to the end of our lives, when we come to the end of our lives, we can have hope in God's purposes and intentions that carry us through the toughest times. Two friends of ours have passed away in this last two weeks. Both followers of Jesus. Both dying of cancer. The one, I got to tell you, God empowered him right to the end to serve every day. Without once questioning God's purposes and intentions. His wife sent us his obituary. She sent us a video of his funeral. I got to tell you, it was the most triumphant music, most triumphant funeral I've ever heard of. It was amazing. And it was all rooted in the fact that Ari's hope was in God's purposes. Our other friend just passed away earlier this week. Last time I sat with him was on Monday. When he woke up, he could hardly speak. His first question was, how is it at cross point? How are they doing? He died three days later, two days later. Other people were at the core of who he was. was. That's hope in Jesus. Do you catch it? It's rooted in knowing the Father through Jesus Christ. So, 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm not going to read it, but this is about the promises of God and their intention for us, for us to be have a divine nature. You're not the only one. But the next verse is the one we started with, Romans chapter 15. And this is the summary. There it is. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace to the very end of your life because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope for the ages, it starts in your heart, in your willingness to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Because when you're obedient to him, he proves himself faithful. And every day he proves himself faithful, establishes again how central he is and how unchanging are his plans. And as hard as it was to watch our friends pass away, in both their cases in different ways, they showed me 
what it means to have hope in Jesus to the very end. And it is an ability to see past the moment to God's intention in the future. It's a, thing, a moment to help us realize that this moment is not as important as what God is doing for tomorrow's moment. And that puts what's happening today, good, bad, or ugly, it doesn't matter. What's happening today is only as important as how God is working in us for tomorrow. That's hope for the ages. That's hope for the nations. That's hope in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your presence. I thank you for your willingness to be alongside us. I thank you, Lord, not only that, but your willingness to work through us so that your hope can be established in more people. May we be your people of hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.